We are very, very grateful this morning to have Pastor Mark Andresen with us and Kim and Jonathan, who is downstairs with the other kids right now. Uh, they have something very exciting going on in their life right now. They're in a huge transition. I think it's on Tuesday, right, that you guys are going to be moving to Colorado. Mark's going to be taking up a new and very exciting position there. Uh, most, of you are, most of you know, some of you don't know, that Mark served on our team for six years of great ministry here and left a great, uh, great mark upon the church. Uh, very grateful for that. Mark um, is... Um, he, he left here, completed his doctorate, and was in Indonesia, and then lots of other parts of the story and the journey <laughs> that maybe he'll say a little bit about. Uh, but this new part of the journey is just one that I think opens a door that fits Mark to a T, and what's been his passion for, for years since I've known Mark. So I'm, I'm grateful for what's going on in your guys' life. And... Um, so I figured uh, this, is, this is their send-off day. Uh, both they and we consider Calvary Church to be their home church. And so we're, we're sending them out today. And there's two ways, at least, we're going to be doing that. One is I decided to put Pastor Mark to work and have him bring the Palm Sunday message today. Uh, secondly, uh, we will, at the end uh, of the service, when we take our offering, in addition to our regular giving, if you would like to designate a gift, a love offering gift toward Mark and Kim, I know that'll be a great blessing to them as they make this uh, next part of their journey. So um, it's my privilege right now to welcome Dr. Mark Anderson, Andresen <laughs> to come and share his word with us. Thank you, Pastor Dean. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Can you hear me okay? How's my hair? All right. Just make sure the mic's working. Um, well, I'm excited to be here. I think uh, I know probably half or more of you, and it's good to see you. This is our home church. We have missed being with you over the years, uh, and we were blessed to be here for six years of ministry, and then the last five years, as we've been out and about, we've enjoyed coming back to visit, in a sense, coming home. And this Wednesday, we will be moving to the Denver area, and we thought we want to spend our last Sunday in town with family. So we're excited to be here. If you have not met my family, uh, I have a photo of them, and uh, you'll see Kim and Jonathan and myself there. I, I guess, oh, there they Wow, it's good-looking people right there. Um, and uh, so Kim and I are going on... Um, got to be careful here. 18 years of marriage, and um, Jonathan joined us six and a half years ago, and uh, that's our small family, but uh, make sure you get to say hi to us before you leave today, okay? Um, many of you that know me know that in many ways my life has been uh, in transition in many ways, but one of the most significant things is that two and a half years ago I made a decision to what I call start a journey to live longer and better. And so in that two and a half years, I've lost half my body weight. And I think there's a photo. So just through uh, healthy, moderate exercise and nutritional eating, um, I've lost half my body weight. Uh, and I, yeah, amen, crazy. No. No high blood pressure, no uh, cholesterol issues, no uh, sugar issues, no sleep apnea, no 
no issues. I'm on no medication, and in fact, I weigh about 60 pounds lighter now than I did when I got out of the Army 20 years ago. Um, and again, no gimmicks, just eating right. In fact, I eat more food now than I ever did before. I'm just eating the right food, and um, I'm enjoying exercise. One of the things I've done since I'm skinny now, and I could never really do it, is I started running. Okay, running not to get away from someone, but actually to enjoy it, you know? And it's funny because uh, two and a half, three years ago, I could barely go 13 feet to get the TV remote, and, and now I'm, I'm running. Um, and years ago, I set a goal. I said, I'm going to do a 5K, I'm going to do a 10K half marathon, marathon. And I don't know if it was a New Year's resolution, but I never followed through on it. I guess that was my incentive to lose the weight, uh, but it just never happened. And so as I was on this journey and seeing the physical transformation, I said, I- I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. And last fall, I did a 5K race and a 10K race. And then yesterday, I, I ran a half marathon. Uh, so my legs feel like rubber today. So, uh, in fact, I brought you the, the medal here, which I thought was hilarious. Those of you who can see it, it's, it's either a giant snowflake or a ninja throwing star. It is, in fact, the largest medal ever. Um, and I finished the race. Amen. I finished the race. If you've ever run a race, there, you know that there's this, this excitement at the starting line. Uh, there's an excitement uh, at the starting line, and then also uh, there, at that starting line, there's an understanding that once you cross the finish line, there's more excitement, uh, that, that there's a sense of accomplishment. But you know that between the starting line and the finish line, there's a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and a lot that you have to overcome. And I knew that as well for the last several months because of the weather. I had been running indoors on the treadmill, and so I wasn't as conditioned as I wanted to be to run on concrete or blacktop. I knew that I was getting some runner's knee, and the tendon was hurting me. And so I was nervous, but I was excited for the race. Uh, But I knew between the starting line and the finish line that it was going to be difficult. My first four or five miles, I had a great pace, but then after that, it's, it, well, it got worse. And, uh, and my whole left leg started seizing up, and, and the muscle on the side here, and the tendon near the knee, and the groin area. And, but I kept going and going because I knew what was at the end. And I had to finish. I had set that goal, and I wanted to finish. And I, when I think of running, and I think of a race, and that starting and finish line, there is a great truth in life um, that the journey of faith is an agonizing race. The journey of faith is an agonizing race. However, it is a mission. It is a mission that Jesus himself started and finished. So today, if you'll allow me, I'm going to use the metaphor of a race. And although the mission of Jesus began before the dawn of time, it was initiated at his birth as God incarnate. God in the flesh came to save us. And here at this time of year, we celebrate Holy Week. If you will, this is the final leg of Jesus' earthly race. Palm Sunday, if you will, was the start of the most agonizing leg of that race. The culmination and the finish line is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. It is the finish line. In fact, on the the cross, Christ says, it is finished. The payment for our sins has been paid in full. 
And so there at Jerusalem, Jesus started this agonizing journey to the cross and then to the tomb and then the resurrection. So I want to use Palm Sunday in this journey that Christ had his last week on earth. I want to use that as a backdrop, but I also want to specifically look at Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer uses the metaphor of a race to talk about this faith journey and all that we go through. And I see great parallels between the race of faith that you and I are going through and what Jesus went through his last week here on earth. So our two texts for today are going to be Mark, sorry, Mark's Gospel, chapter 12. That's going to set the stage looking at Jesus starting that journey into Jerusalem, his last week on earth. And then I want to look at Hebrews chapter 12. And then draw out some principles for you as you run that journey of faith. Is that okay this morning? Sounds good. Let's go ahead and look at our text. We're going to look at Mark chapter 12, verses 12 through 13. This will be out of the English Standard Version. And then we'll go to Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. And that'll be in the New International Version. And I believe those are all on the screen behind me. So let's do that now. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Let's now turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And again, this will be our metaphor and our example for the race of faith that we journey, but it will show us the mission that Jesus himself was on that last week on earth. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, therefore, since we, we, those in faith, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, means there are many people of faith surrounding us. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I want to share some principles with you this morning. But the most important thing I want you to walk away with today is this. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Make him the focus of your life. Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us focus in and hear from God the Father. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time together. I pray, Lord, that whatever stresses we might have, anxieties, distractions, Lord, that you would push those aside, that you would clear the table of our mind, and that you would prepare a feast of great truth for us. 
that we would be enriched today, that we would be encouraged today, that we would even be rebuked and challenged today. I ask, Lord, that through this message that we would see Christ in the journey he had from his triumphant entry to the empty tomb, that we would see him in a new way, and that we in faith, we who belong to the body of Christ, that we would begin to run differently as we fix our eyes on you. And I pray in the midst of this message today that people here would be drawn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I want to mention in our text today is this command, this challenge. It is this, to throw off. It says to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. To throw off everything that hinders. In context, this passage is referring to a runner, to an athlete. And there would have been things that would have slowed them down. And so maybe uh, that was a bag or maybe it was extra clothing. They would remove those things because they were weighing them down and slowing them down in their journey. Likewise, you and I have things that weigh us down as we journey in faith. And I am particularly speaking to Christians now. They could be past sin and failure. They could be pain, relational heartache, financial crisis, things that weigh heavy on our mind and our hearts, and they weigh us down. And we're challenged to throw them off. But they could be sins. They could be uh, sinful patterns and habits. They could be how we talk and relate to one another. They could be what we do when we're alone and what we're looking at on our personal digital devices. They could be sinful things that have entangled us, ensnared us. The word here, uh, entangled, means something that has encircled you, in a sense trapped you, and prevents you from moving forward. And the challenge for us is to throw it off. To throw it off. This is the very reason that Jesus came. To set the captives free. That every sin, every pain, every hurt that we have that has entangled us, that has weighed us down, would be lifted, would be cut, would be removed so that we could have life and have it abundantly. Our son Jonathan is six and a half. And some years ago, every now and then, I'd be walking in the house and he'd run up to me and just grab hold of my leg and just seize the leg, you know, wrap his arms and legs all around my leg. And then I, and, and, you know, having good fun with it, would kind of drag him across the floor. Have any dads done this? Any, okay. Uh, maybe moms, Okay. Are there any grown people here that still do this to your parents? Okay. And so, and so you know, he'd grab hold of my leg. I'm going to get you, Daddy. And he's going to, he, he wants to wrestle every day, by the way. Every day this kid asks me, Daddy, let's wrestle. And so here he is. He's on my leg, and I'm dragging him across the floor, and it's really cute. And then it's not so cute. And then I say, okay, that's enough. And then he's still holding on. I'm going to get you, Daddy. I'm going to get you. And I said, okay, oh, that's enough. Stop now. And I got, Daddy's got to go, okay? And he's holding on. He's not letting go. And then it's like, okay, kid, get off, you know? Um, and what started out to be fun became a nuisance and became a hindrance. And if you really think about it, that's what sin is like. It seems insignificant at first. It might even seem fun and pleasurable. 
But after a while, it will wrap itself around your soul. And it will hinder your ability to know Christ and to make Christ known to your world. There's some great truths in Scripture, some great promises. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I'm reminded of King David in Psalm 139. He said, search me, God, and know my heart. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety. I think many of us, we would put, We'd we'd make that plural. Cast all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. Friends, Jesus came to offer us freedom. To help remove sin's hold on our life. By faith, by trust, we can accept that gift. And enter into a new relationship with our creator. That is called salvation. But as we journey and walk in faith, we're to become more like Christ. And we're to make Christ known in our world. If there are things that are hindering that, that are tripping you up, your attitude, your behavior, maybe it's something deep within you that you've held on to, hurts and pains. Maybe it's the fear of what's to come. Cast it to him. Ask him for help. Amen? This is why Jesus came. Let's look at the second truth out of this passage. First, we're to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And then it says, run. Run the race with perseverance. The race which is marked out for us. Now, this might seem blatantly obvious. The first truth here is that we should run. It doesn't mean to stroll. It's not a haphazard walk through the park. This word in the original text means to run, to move with purpose, to move with intentionality. When Jesus came to Jerusalem and he rode in on that colt and they cheered him, acknowledging him as king, although they thought he was an earthly king, setting up an earthly kingdom. When they cheered him on, Jesus had purpose. He had intentionality for coming to Jerusalem. That Why? He was the Passover lamb. He was to pay the penalty for our sin. Likewise, in our faith, those of you who have accepted Christ are to be moving forward with purpose, with intention to know Christ and to make Christ known. But you'll see the text says to run the race. Here in the original text, the word race literally is where... It means to agonize. In fact, it's the Greek word there is where we get our English word agony. So yesterday, a friend asked me, how was your race? In a word, agonizing. That's how my race was yesterday. It was agonizing. The last 45 minutes, I felt every bit of that pain. 
the tendons, the muscles, the things I don't even know are in my body that stopped working, okay? It was agonizing. Here the author in Hebrews uses this word race, but the same original word is used elsewhere to mean fight, struggle, and conflict. If you have been taught that the Christian faith is a cakewalk, that once you accept Christ, that it's going to be easy and you can get everything you wanted. Friends, that's an American consumer message. That is false. Jesus came to Jerusalem with purpose to redeem you and me. And that journey, that race he had this last week on earth was agonizing in every way. And the journey of faith that we go through Every day is going to have its ups and downs. It's going to have difficulty. There are going to be times when we feel like we just cannot go on. But notice the text. It says the race is marked out for us. It's marked out for us. God has our steps ordered. Amen? God is not surprised by the twists and turns in the route. Yesterday while we were running, and I think it was somewhere around mile 10, there was a bend in the route which was marked. But there were a group of young people that were chatting, and so they kept going straight, you know? And myself and another fellow started shouting out to them, hey, 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 because they'd missed the turnoff. That's what the church is for. There are times in our lives when we know we're not right with God and we're going in a direction that he's not pleased with. Maybe it's a relationship with someone. Maybe it's a business interaction. Maybe it's just a crisis we're going through. And God has allowed you and I as the church to call out to one another, to remind them that the race has been marked out, that God has a plan and a purpose and a way of living that will lead us across that finish line. And then it says here to persevere. Persevere. I used to think that this meant persistence. It is not what that means. Here's what persistence means. In the running metaphor, it means you trip, you fall, you get back up. Perseverance means you trip, you fall, you get back up, you run harder, you press in. In the boxing world, persistence means you you get knocked down, you get back up. Perseverance means you get knocked down, you get back up, and you land the next blow. It means that you keep going despite the very real pressure against you. That you're under an immense amount of pressure, but yet you fight against it. And you continued onward. And I know I'm talking to people. Maybe now or in times past, your life feels like that. You're going through an immense amount of pressure. Emotional, physical, financial, even overtly spiritual pressure. And each day to get out of bed, each day to move forward is a struggle. It's a struggle to endure. But we can do it because Christ has marked out the path for us. I want to share briefly about my story and then share an illustration that helps you understand this. Five years ago, while I was in the Philippines praying and seeking the Lord, God, I have a passion for the world. I love intercultural studies. I love youth ministry. I love teaching and preaching. Lord, how could you use all of that? And in the mountains of the Philippines, the Lord gave me a vision that he would use me to encourage, equip, and empower global youth ministers. 
but I didn't know what that looked like. At that same time, I heard about an opportunity to help revitalize a church in Indonesia, to be a part of a team at a dynamic church and revitalize a youth ministry. And so Kim and I prayed, we sought counsel, and three months later, we moved to Indonesia. And many of you are still here at that point. It was very sudden, it was very quick, but we felt an assurance that God was leading us to go there, to be positioned in the region, to have that experience of working in an Asian youth ministry context, and then to train and equip pastors in the region to reach and disciple youth. And so we went. What I did not anticipate is that we would struggle to sell our house during the recession. That was a noose on our neck. That was a hindrance. That was an entanglement that nearly choked us to death. What I did not anticipate is that the very week I arrived in Indonesia, I became sick off the pollution and the allergens and the climate. I had headaches and migraines and cluster headaches and auras and flashes of light and blackouts. I saw doctors in three countries. I went from one diagnosis and treatment to the next, and it became so bad I was bedridden at least one to two days a week. I could not function at that moment. At that time, I was about 80, 85% through my doctoral residency, and I could barely read 10 pages a week, I would black out. I just couldn't do it. I also battled amoebic dysentery for seven months. I had food poisoning eight times. During that same time, my mom almost died from lung disease. She was in ICU. They gave her one month to live. My father almost died and was in the hospital for six weeks. My twin brother, who was planting a church in Chicago, was diagnosed with cancer on our birthday. And I could probably tell you more and more crisis that occurred. There were many days where it was very difficult to endure under such pressure. I did not ask for that. But in the midst of it, I found Psalms 46, verse 1 and 10. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Verse 10, be still. And know that he is God. See, he was my refuge. He allowed me to endure. As the Holy Spirit ministered to me, I got up each day, not knowing what was next. And I persevered and ran the race with endurance. We came back from Indonesia. I had no no job, no source of income, no place to live. The vision the Lord had given me was shattered. I didn't understand it. God, why would you put this burden, passion in my heart? And then here I am. I'm I'm starting over. I didn't want to be in my 40s, starting my career over, having to figure out things economically. I I did not want to push the, the reset button. But that's where I was two and a half, three years ago. But God in his grace helped me to endure and persevere. I want to tell you today, and it may not always happen this way in your life, but I want to tell you today that in this deep, dark valley in the last three years, I have not had a single migraine. I have had no other health issues related to pollution and allergies. Uh, You've seen that the Lord has rebuilt me physically. I came back, finished my doctoral studies, finished my dissertation in record time. My mom is alive and well three years later. My father is alive and well Three years later, my brother is cancer-free now for three years. And the Lord... And the Lord continues to rebuild and restore everything. 
Six, seven, eight months ago, I began praying again and fasting about the vision that he gave me to encourage, equip, and empower the global church. And I started having conversations with some global-based ministries. And over the last year, one of those ministries, that conversation has continued and been very healthy, and they have invited me to join their team as the director of global ministry. The ministry is called Dare to Share, and they equip youth to share their faith with their friends. In fact, many of the youth in this church have been to a Dare to Share conference. And so they are a 25-year-old ministry that's very healthy, and whether it's providing curriculum and resources to the church, training for pastors or conferences, they've done it well, but now they're growing globally. They have almost 70 nations utilizing their resources and tools, but they have no global function, no global division. So I'm being brought on to pioneer a new effort that will impact the world. Monday this week, I had a Skype call with a head of a global church movement that unites churches around the world. It is probably some of the highest level strategy to reach and disciple youth that I know of. And God has placed me in that. And I see that despite the challenges. He has allowed me to persevere. Amen? I would appreciate your prayers as I embark on this new, new journey. I want to give this illustration to you because it may be relevant for you today. Some years ago, my friend Bryce, uh, he delivered uh, medical goods, household medical goods. So maybe if you are on bed rest and you needed a hospital bed or some sort of medical equipment that you're going to rent, it was his job to deliver that. And I think it was Thanksgiving Day, he went to the hospital to pick up some equipment or to drop something off, and he had parked his, his delivery truck, his box truck, uh, there at the loading bay and had gone about his business. And he came back, and he was... He was um, closing the lift gate, and the particular truck had one of those hydraulic lift gates, the kind that comes from the bottom and then comes up and closes. Have you seen those before? And in the process of closing that lift gate, Bryce, who was probably in a hurry to get home for turkey dinner, put his hand in the way, and as he pressed the button, the, the lift gate with, I, I don't know, thousands of pounds of pressure closed on his hand, clamping it down, and in that very instant, as Bryce was under immense pressure, he could choose to press the close button or the open button. And he began pressing the close button, and that gate was seizing down his hand, nearly severing it in half. And at that very real moment, this is how Bryce tells it, he both began screaming and crying out for God and cursing. And as his humanity and his spirit began crying out, God gave him the strength to hit the open button and relieve the pressure off his hand. Thank God he was near the ER, went in and had it taken care of. He didn't lose the hand. He had multiple surgeries. But life is like that. Sometimes you're going to be in a place where the pressure is so immense and you are crying out to God and maybe in the same breath, you're cursing and yelling and screaming and you're just trying to figure out what to do next. I want to challenge you at that moment to listen to the Holy Spirit and he will help you endure under that pressure so that you can run the race with perseverance. Amen? Let's look at this uh, third point here and this is quite significant. Fix your eyes on Jesus. 
The text tells us to fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And then it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned its shame, and now sits at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, this is significant. The mission of Jesus was to pioneer, was to start our faith, to offer salvation. But there on that cross, not only did he start our faith and offer us new life, but he perfected it. That is, when you accept faith in Jesus Christ, there is nothing lacking. There's nothing by which we need to do to earn our way to heaven. Jesus did it all on the cross. And as he entered Jerusalem and as he was cheered on, he knew that his mission, his objective was to start and finish, to perfect and offer us true and lasting salvation. That's what Jesus did. Specifically, he did this. It says, for the joy set before him. His joy was to obey the Father and to bring the Father glory. And his joy was that you and I would return like the lost son, like the prodigal, like the runaway, that we would return to our creator. That was the joy that propelled him to go through the agony that week. It was you and me. That was the joy that allowed him to endure, to endure the pressure, to push through, to persist, even a Roman cross. It says, scorning the shame. Even those that praised him with palm branches, that thought he would be their earthly Messiah and rescuer, those same people shouted, crucify him. They spit in him, and they tortured him, and they hung him on a cross. But yet, even through that shame, He persevered for you and me. And it says, and now he is at the right hand of the throne of God. And he intercedes for us. He prays for us. The book of Romans tells us that. That he prays for us. Friends, as we fix our eyes on Jesus, we'll see that his eyes have always been fixed on us. When he came riding on that colt, And they cheered him as their savior. His eyes were on us. His focus, his heart, his intent, his purpose for that journey was you and I and all of humanity that we would know him as savior and as Lord. His eyes are still on you today. And then I want to mention this fourth point. It says, consider him. Consider him who endured Why? So that we won't grow weary and lose heart. I love this here. In the original text, consider him means to think it through to a logical conclusion. Those that have separated the emotional aspect of faith from the cognitive, they don't really understand scripture. Here we're being challenged to really ponder, to really think about Jesus and all that he endured and all that he has. He wants us to use our intellect. He wants us to study him. He wants us to test and know him in this way. Consider all that he endured that last week on earth. And it was for you and me. Consider him so that we 
won't grow weary and give up. Literally, that we won't faint, that our psyche, that our soul won't be exhausted and quit. You may be here today, and you may be doing quite well. Some of you may be here today, and you feel like giving up on this race of faith. Christ loves you so much that he sent the Holy Spirit to empower you and to journey with you. In the very next chapter in Hebrews, we see this great truth that Jesus said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus himself promised the counselor, the comforter, the advocate, the Holy Spirit to run this race with us. And he wants us to throw off everything that holds us back. He wants us to run with perseverance despite real pressures. He wants us to fix our eyes on him, not on our problems. And he wants us to consider him and know who he is. That's the mission of Jesus. We're going to close here in prayer. And I want to challenge you with some specific questions this morning. First, let me show those questions, and then I'll go into a time of prayer. First is this. What is hindering you? What's hindering and entangling you? What burden do you need to cast and give to Jesus? Matthew 11 says that we can let go of that. We can take on his yoke, his burden, his way of doing life. What hindrances do you need to ask him to take away? What sin has entangled you? What pride or envy or greed or lust or whatever it may be? Maybe another way to ask that is, as Jesus entered Jerusalem, prepared to give his life for you and me, What are we holding on to that he came to set us free from? Secondly, what do you need to look away from in order to fix your eyes on Jesus? It's interesting here in in the Greek text, fix your eyes on Jesus means to turn from what you're looking at and to lock in. To lock in. To zoom in. To focus. Oftentimes we're so caught up in looking at the starting line that we forget faith isn't about looking back. We do that a lot. We call it the gospel of comparison. But I'm better than I was. Or I'm not like him. I did that yesterday when I ran. Look at all those people I'm passing up. Hey, I know I got issues and I'm not making the pace I want, but I'm better than those guys. We need to stop that. We need to have our standard for perfection, the finish line, Christ himself. What do you need to stop looking at in your life? And start doing to get your eyes on Jesus. To get your focus, your life, your heart, your attitude, your actions on him. And then finally, have you forgotten that his eyes are fixed on you? And you are surrounded by his love. I know I'm probably over on my time this morning. But as I was preparing this text, a profound truth occurred to me. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. You see, you have to read chapter 11. It refers to all these men and women of faith who ran the same journey. Who chose chose to trust in God despite hardship. And they persisted. And then chapter 12 says, Therefore, 
since you are surrounded. You see, the saints of old are cheering us on. But the most important cheerleader is Jesus himself. And what struck me is this profound truth that he still surrounds us today. And I had this visual. I had this visual of Jonathan when he was a baby. And we would swaddle him and wrap him and tuck him in. And he would be comforted and he would stop crying. The word to be surrounded in the original text essentially means the same thing. Isn't that something? The Jesus who endured the cross because of you and me is the same one who can tuck us in to his arms. What a great picture. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank, we're so thankful today for that last leg, that journey that Jesus took as he was cheered at the starting line there at Jerusalem to his last days and hours leading to the cross and on the cross. And then as he rose from the tomb, Lord, as we look at that last section of his life, we know that he came to help us throw off the sin. We know that he came to help us run this race with perseverance, to know him and to make him known. We know that as we fix our eyes on him, he already has his eyes fixed on us, that he surrounds us with his love, that his Holy Spirit comforts us swaddles us in truth, mercy, and love. And Lord, we're thankful that we can consider, we can consider all that you have done, all that you are. And even in the midst of our challenges, that we can run this race, that we can fight the good fight, that we can hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, there are some here today that have not accepted faith in you. They have not asked you to remove the burden of sin on their lives. They have been trying to journey through life on their own, through their own intellect, through their own ability, through their own strength and resources. But there may be some here today that want to say, God, I need you to be my savior, my rescuer, to be my king. And they're ready to wave a palm branch, declaring their praise to you. If you're here today and you say, I have not accepted faith in Christ. And today I want to do that. And I want to begin a new journey, a new race. I know it will not be easy, but I know that he is with me. And he has set a pace at which I can follow. If that's you here today, would you raise your hand and let me know? If in your heart you're willing to trust him and that you know... Faith is through him and him alone. Thank you. Thank you for that. Maybe you're here today and you're running this race and you feel overwhelmed and there's immense pressure on you. And maybe you've been entangled by some things lately and you know you're not seeking first God's kingdom and you're not living according to his ways. But you're ready to get clean, to be honest with him. Would you take a moment to do that now, to confess those sins? He is faithful and just to forgive them 
That means he has a good track record. His odds are perfect. Lord, would you cleanse us? Would you forgive us for the times we've doubted you? And Lord, would your Holy Spirit come and empower us and fill us, flood us, baptize us with your power and strength so that we can press on. I pray, Lord, in in doing that, that we can make you known. Help us this week, this week, Lord, to cherish you as we fix our eyes on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your time today.